0: Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Will
1: you please rise for the reading of the gospel? I'll be reading from Luke 10, 1 through 11, and 16 through 20. After this the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Continues on 16 through 20. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The word of God for the people of God.
0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth And the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Go out, Jesus says to his disciples. Go out and share that good news that the kingdom of God has come near. Remarkably, miraculously, I think 70 people said yes. They said yes to this wild, and this risky request. And I'm here to confess to you this morning that those disciples are far more faithful than I am. I admire them for saying yes. But in our gospel lesson from Luke, Jesus says this, you just heard Lisa read it. He says this about those who take up his mission. I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, Greet no one on the road. But even before this passage, right before what we just heard, Jesus is saying this to the people who have gathered around and are seeking to follow him. Jesus says, follow me. But one said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say farewell to those at my home. Jesus says to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Pretty sure I would have said, no, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to bury my dead. I'm going to visit with my loved ones, and I'm going to hold on to my my possessions. Thank you very much. But here we have before us 70 faithful souls who were willing to let go of the people that they knew and loved, the possessions that they had. They were willing to go out in pairs to share that miraculous news that the kingdom of God has now come near. Now it's here, Jesus says, so go out. this morning I want to share with you a piece of my testimony about the last two years of my life and my ministry, which was an exercise in going out to follow Jesus. It's a testimony about going out and then discovering all the ways that God shows up in the midst of that. We moved to Arlington, Virginia two years ago for Kyle, my husband's job, And the bishop there assigned me to start a new faith community, a brand new church start. We had no building. In the beginning, we had no people. We had generous financial support from the United Methodist Church in Virginia. I had a coach. I had some training. But on July 1st, 2017, it was me, the Holy Spirit, a lot of fear, and a lot of faith I was trying to hold on to. Now, church planting isn't as radical or as risky as what those original 70 did. I had my family with me. I own way too many pairs of sandals. But it was a reorientation for me about what it means to really follow Jesus, to go out and to rethink what church is and where church is. Arlington is right outside of Washington, D.C., just across the Potomac. And the particular area we were in has the highest concentration of young adults, of 18 to 35-year-olds, in the whole country, living along the metro line there that connects them to Washington, D.C. Most of these folks desire to make a difference in the world. Despite what you hear about Washington, D.C., a lot of them had really good intentions about wanting to help and make a difference. They were craving authentic community that they weren't finding at work, or with their roommates, or out at the bars. They were seeking meaning. They were asking big questions about God and religion that didn't have easy answers. They were looking for the kingdom of God. But for a variety of reasons, many of them good, they weren't even stepping into the doors of our traditional churches. Now I, myself, am a very churchy person. I was born and baptized and raised in the United Methodist Church. I went straight from undergrad to seminary, straight from seminary to ministry and the local church. Before moving to Arlington, I pastored three different congregations over 10 years. And each of the churches I've spent time in are unique in their own ways, but they did share the fact that they had buildings, usually brick buildings with organs and pianos. They were filled up with people. They had been worshiping as a congregation in some form from 100 to 150 years. I'm very comfortable in church buildings. My closest friends are clergy. And while the church isn't perfect, I could give you a whole list of reasons that it's not, and I'm sure you could write your own list. On the whole, the church has been very, very good to me. It has been very good for me. I have been supported and safe and encouraged. I've been taught and challenged and empowered. And I have been shown glimpses of the kingdom of God over and over and over again by the church and her people. And I'm so grateful for that. But I've also, particularly in the last couple of years, heard story after story from so many people who have not had that same experience. So starting a new church with people who were skeptical or wounded by the church or downright hostile to institutional religion for the ways that it had harmed them or harmed people that they knew and loved, doing this at a church without a building and without people, y'all, it was way, way outside my comfort zone or anything that I had known or experienced before. But without a building, without people, I had absolutely no choice but to go out there was no place to stay in so this morning i want to share just two of the powerful lessons i learned from this experience i could talk for days and days about it but i won't do that to you for now right now i want to share with you two ways that god understand god changed my understanding of what it looks like and means to go out and to be church in the world today First, about the power of relationship building, of networking, which sometimes gets a bad rap. I had always done this, of course, within my congregations as a pastor. I believe with all my heart that that is important. It is vital work that the church does to form those kinds of deep relationships we don't have elsewhere, to care for each other in times of need and in times of joy. I look forward to doing that with you as we get to know each other. I've already heard of the beautiful ways that you care for each other as a congregation. But I always took all of my time doing this as a pastor. And anything out, sort of out in the community, became leftovers for my ministry. If I had time, I maybe would, if I wasn't writing a sermon, maybe on a Friday afternoon I would go out and engage with my community. But it was never a priority for me as a pastor. But at Arlington Commons, that's the name of our new faith community that we started. I learned and practiced the valuable skill of one to one meetings with people in the community. Those of you who do community building work know this practice well. Uh, But in fact, my very first day on the job, July 1st, 2017, I had absolutely no idea what to do. There was no worship to plan. There was no sermon to write. There were no people to visit in the hospital. There was no staff to get to know. There was no office to go to or set up. I was outside of my experience. But my ministry coach, Trey, said to me, he said, Kate, go out. Go out and watch for the ways that God is showing up when you do that. He said, Make a list of everybody that you know or know of in the area. Make a list of community leaders, government officials, nonprofit leaders, business owners, other faith leaders. Make a list of those folks and invite them to coffee and ask to hear their story. Without an agenda, but to build relationships and to keep your eye on what Jesus is up to in the kingdom of God. So I did. And you know what? One of the most miraculous learnings for me is that people said yes Probably over 90% of the people I asked who did not know me at all, who did not know what this church was that I was starting, were sort of skeptical of somebody who comes into town and is starting a new church from scratch, they said yes. They spent 45 minutes with me, telling me their stories, telling me about the community, what lights them up, what gives them joy and pain, what makes them angry, what they love. I met with anybody and everybody. And here's what's important. My agenda wasn't and couldn't be I'm going to meet with people who will come and be a part of my new church. The goal was to learn about the community and to build relationships and discern where Jesus was already at work. This was hard because I didn't have people. That was my number one prayer during this time when people said, how can I pray for you? I said, I pray for a leadership team so that we can go out and do this work together. It's not intended to be solo work. I prayed and prayed for a team who would catch this vision, help create the vision, and be part of this new thing. But I didn't have coffee with people solely for that purpose. I had to release the outcome when I met with people and trust God for the rest. Now, I am terrible, It releasing the outcome. I like to be in control. I like to know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and what's going to happen after that. But I had to let go of all of that and trust that God really would show up in the midst of it. Early on, for example, I reached out to a woman named Melanie. Her, she worked in DC, she lived in Maryland. Her parents were members of a church I pastored in Atlanta. I'd met her a couple of times when she would come to town to visit, but I didn't know her well. And in the beginning I was skeptical. She lived in Maryland. I was in Virginia. She already attended a church there. There was no way she was going to be part of my faith community. I schlepped into the city on the metro, got lost trying to meet her for lunch. It was hot. I was drenched in sweat. And my thought when I was going to meet her is what good is this going to do? Well, friends, I will say first of all, After our lunch, Melanie sat down with me on a bench outside, and she said, I would like to pray with you and for you. How can I do that? And if nothing else had happened, (laughs) sitting with her and having someone pray for and with me when I was scared and alone and not sure at all what I was doing was one of the greatest gifts anybody could have given me, and that was worth all of it. But then she said, she said, you know, I was at a gathering last night of people in the D.C. area who had lived at Shanghai at some point. Melanie and her husband had lived in China in several places. And she said, I met there a woman named Melissa who lived there when I didn't, but we knew the same people. She lives out near you in Virginia, and actually she is looking for this kind of community and having a hard time finding it. long story short, Melissa and I got coffee, um, and she became an integral part of our initial leadership team of a small group that met at my house. God showed up. A year later, Melanie connected me with a woman named Chloe, who became a vital part of our music team when we started worshiping together. A little later on that summer, I had coffee with a man named Andrew, who is a leader of a local nonprofit. They provided emergency uh, assistance, financial assistance to people who needed to pay rent or utility bills. Again, he was active in his own UCC church. He was never going to come and be a part of mine. But I was grateful to be connected to their nonprofit. We were able eventually to partner with them in some way. So it was good to know about them and to build that relationship. But then beyond that, Andrew said, when I said, who, do you, who else do you think I should know? Andrew said, I'm going to connect you with Karen. Karen was a business leader in the community. She owned her own marketing firm. And she had started a group for female entrepreneurs in Arlington because she had gone it alone and realized that she needed community when she was doing that. There were women from all kinds of industries. I had coffee with Karen. She connected me in. I was the only clergy person in that group. I was used to being in professional circles full of clergy, and here I was in this room full of realtors and social marketers and all kinds of folks who were doing amazing things out in the world. So that was good in and of itself. I learned a lot and grew a lot. But Karen and her partner who started, her business partner who started this organization together also hosted a podcast for female entrepreneurs, and they invited me on for an episode, and I was able to tell my story, the story of Arlington Commons that podcast episode then was able to live on our website, and through that, we were able to meet people who wanted to know about who we were, as a lot of people do, checked us out on the internet first before they built personal relationships, were able to listen there and be part of it. I could tell story after story like this about the ways that God showed up in ways that I did not think were possible and ways that continued to connect me with people who were seeking the kingdom of God. By September of that year, there was a small group that met every Sunday evening in my house. We engaged in a spiritual practice and then shared communion around my coffee table. And then by February, we were able to gather a 13-person leadership team who did create core values together and a vision and a mission. We're excited to see what was coming next. My second lesson about going out is the power of holding gatherings and events in small groups in public spaces, where people already are. Now, we had no building, right? So necessity is the mother of invention, and we had to get creative about where we were gathering. So we had conversations about topics that related to faith and life and culture in a pub. We created sacred art in a library. We blessed animals at a dog park. We had a running and prayer group that ran along the Potomac every Sunday morning and then stopped at a beautiful point for prayer and for meditation. On Ash Wednesday, we showed up to the local metro stop, and as people were going to work and coming home, we offered to impose ashes on them. At Christmas time, we sang Christmas carols in a bar and raised money for a nonprofit. And we spent Easter Sunday morning this past year worshiping outside at a local park, with an Easter egg hunt following. Now, some of these were more successful than others. If you've never worn a clergy collar at a dog park on a hot Saturday morning, then you are missing out. (laughs) People did not want their animals to be blessed. (laughs) They would try and cross the street or avoid making eye contact with me. Um, So that one, I had to have some thick skin and shake the dust off of my feet. But I will say, even for that one, as we were packing up our water and um, our dog treats and putting them back in the car, a man and his teenage sons came by, and he didn't even have a dog, but We said hello, offered some water, handed him a postcard for our next event, didn't think much of it. Well, he and his teenage sons showed up to our next event a month later, and he became one of our biggest financial supporters, and his sons he offered to help um, set up and take down when we started worshiping and rented space. So you just never know how and where God is going to show up. One of the most successful events we did three times while I was there, we called Party in the Park, and we simply showed up to a local park on a Sunday, a place where a cross-section of people gathered. It was a busy park. There was a fabulous playground. There were volleyball courts, basketball courts. People walked their dog through tennis courts. It was between a lot of apartments and the metro stop. We had free food from a local food truck, so we were supporting a local business. They in turn donated a proceed of those profits to a local nonprofit that was there um, and had a table so people could learn more about that nonprofit, how to get involved. We got to meet a lot of people. We met over 200 people at each of these events, most who hadn't decided, oh, I'm going to show up and come to this. They were just in the park anyway. And we got to meet them and hear their stories. Many of them shared their email addresses. That wasn't compulsory at all, but they wanted to know more. And person after person said to me, you know, I've been looking for a new church, but I just haven't made the effort to walk in somewhere But by being where the people were and meeting somebody face to face, then we had that personal connection and there was more of a willingness to show up and participate in our community. And a lot of people we met just by being at the park on a Sunday when they were at the park became part of our community because of that intentional relationship building. And one of the things I learned is for a lot of people now, relationship building has to come first before they trust to walk into a new space or to engage in activities. So that's a bit of my testimony this morning on the power of going out, of taking risks, of learning to move beyond my comfort zone. I will say I'm incredibly grateful now to be in a church that does have people, faithful people to engage in ministry together. wonderful staff. I've gotten to know your staff over the last three weeks, and you are truly blessed with who you have here doing good work on your behalf for and with you. So that's really important. One of the lessons of our scripture here is that this work is not meant to be done alone. Jesus sends people out in pairs, and he sends 70 people out doing the same thing in those pairs. But I am now committed to going out not just as the leftover part of my ministry or if I have some time at the end of a week or the end of a month, Uh, but to go out for the sake of the kingdom of God and people out there who are dying to know what that means and to engage with Jesus and with each other and with God, but will not walk into the doors of a church building, at least not at first, until they've built relationships and have gained trust so I've committed to make a marker of a certain number of one-to-ones in the community every single month so I can continue to see the ways that God has shown up. You know, what's fascinating to me is the number one question I was asked about Arlington Commons when I first met people. We did our hellos. What do you do? In D.C., that is the, that's the number one question. What do you do? And I would tell them, oh, I'm pastor of a new church start united methodists called arlington commons and they would say where is your church located i was good at giving my elevator speech we don't have a building we're like those earliest disciples we gather where people are and bars and restaurants and people's homes and parks and libraries and coffee shops but it's fascinating to me that when people hear the word church their number one association is with a physical building They didn't first ask about our mission, or our vision, or our values, or how are you serving your community? How are you transforming the world around you? They asked us, where is your building located? Church, we've got work to do. Buildings are good. Trust me, as someone who didn't have a building, uh, there's power in going out. But there's also real power in having a place that roots you, where you can do the vital work to then be sent out in mission and ministry. But if we do really want to follow Jesus, if we really want to be the church in the 21st century, we also have to accept that risky challenge from Jesus to go out and to leave its walls. We need to redefine what it means to be church so that the world out there doesn't assume, first and foremost, that a church is a building. We've got to redefine that so that church is a group of people who are passionate about going out and sharing the kingdom of God in word and in deed. And we've got to do this where people are and build those relationships first because a lot of people just aren't going to come to us anymore. The good news is when we do all of this faithful work, this risky work, this miraculous work, we are not alone. God shows up the God who promises to be with us always. We have the company of the Holy Spirit who empowers us and leads us on our journey. We have other faithful followers of Jesus here in this place and all over the world who were sent out, not alone, but together. And friends, we have Jesus, Jesus who invites us to this very table, a place where we come and we practice and we remember the good news of our faith. We remember the good news of a kingdom where all are invited, all are welcome, and we practice together for that day, that vision, where none of God's children ever go hungry again. We remember our faith here, and then we are empowered to be sent out. We are made one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.